Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, Digest and investors. Welcome to the podcast. I've got two special guests with me today. Well, one you always have. You're always lucky to have Josh Gilbert, our market analyst, based out in Australia. But we're, we're joined by Ben Laidler today, our global uh, market strategist. How are we doing, guys? Ben, you can go. Yeah, great. Um, I was about to say, you know, Josh is always special, right? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Stop it. I'm going to blush. I know the listeners can't see this, but I'm blushing, honestly. It's okay. It's a podcast. We can't see you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we've got we've got one extra special guest and one special guest. How about that? How about that? Um, I thought it would be it'd be good to to get us all together. I think for the newer investors, this has probably been sort of the the or that's sort of the first prolonged period of drawdown for them, and the first time where they experienced market conditions like this with sort of whips or price action intraday so really i guess the purpose of of this particular podcast is to well put things in perspective and hopefully bring some calm to investors look at the underlying fundamentals of the market uh, and i guess as well just sort of we can discuss which markets have outperformed this year uh, and why yeah, I think it's natural for investors to have a bit of fear at the moment. I think, as you said, Sam, you know, if you've only got maybe into the markets within the last sort of 12, 18 months, this is the first sort of bear market or real correction that you've sort of seen since going back to obviously COVID, which you probably most, a lot of investors would have only just got sort of started after that period. So as you say, volatility has increased, you know, the VIX is at its highest level for over a year. Um, and, you know, most investors, unless they are uh, probably some of the best investors in the world, are seeing red in their portfolios um, at the moment. So you know, I think events like this illustrate the importance of diversification and obviously avoiding overexposure to, to single asset classes. But yeah, um, get some get some better insights from, from Mr. Laidler on those fundamentals. Yeah, I, I, I guess the for a lot of people, the saying stocks only go up for two years. We're like, hang on, this is this is true. And now we're, we're sort of seeing that to, to be false. Um, first stocks. up, then we, we can talk about the, the current state of play. You know, how have we got then to sort of where we are now in markets? We've obviously had a, a, a sharp European set up in, in recent weeks. The, uh, the DAX has been moving crazy. Um, uh, and we can also sort of talk about, you know, how the Russian exposure now isn't actually what it was back in say 1998 right yeah so i would just back up you know nobody likes volatility right i mean you say sort of new investors don't like volatility well so old, old investors like me don't like you know volatility and sell-offs <laughs> either right but unfortunately you know if you're going to make money it's just it's par for the course right long-term markets do always go up but short term, you know, day by day, it's coin toss, right? And and the, I guess the, the the coin flips have been going against you for the last sort of couple of weeks. But uh, I guess just just getting back to the question. So uh, why do we talk about Russia in 1998? In 1998 was the last time that Russia really impacted the global economy and global stock markets. Um, you know, the trip down memory lane is that that was the second year of the Asian financial crisis. Uh, Russia was then the biggest ever government debt default we'd ever seen and sharply devalued the ruble. Um, 
you know, and, and, and so relative to that comparison today, you know, the Russian economy is less than half the, rel- you know, the size versus the world economy, um, you know, under 2%. Uh, global banks, which is the big sort of contagion mechanism sort of back then, have less than one-tenth of the exposure now that they had, uh, they had then. So we don't really worry about those two things, quite frankly. Uh, so that's the good news. The less good news uh, and the two major areas of concern today are commodities and just this um, sort of broader uncertainty that, that uh, the Ukraine crisis is sort of generating. You know, remember, you know, markets were already nervous coming into uh, the Ukraine crisis. About we were worried about inflation, we were worried about the Fed, and, and this crisis sort of only amplified um, things we were already worried about. Uh, and also on the commodity side, you know, Russia is clearly a major, major commodity producer from oil to natural gas to wheat to so on. The list just goes on and on. Um, and those surging commodity prices uh, are coming on top of, you know, already high inflation um, and mean that we're all going to have a little bit less money in our pockets to spend on, um, you know, going out to restaurants and, um, you know, buying a car and, 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 and stuff like that. So it definitely puts a dampener on. Um, consumer confidence and on the economy and, and everything else. So I think, you know, commodities and um, just uncertainty, I think, are the two sort of big transmission mechanisms that we need to sort of be concerned about. And uh, frankly, I think everything else is a bit of a red herring right now. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to pay the price, don't we? The uh, corporates are passing it on pretty well to us as we, we're noticing quite well in their earnings, still doing doing pretty well. But I think what's also good to sort of talk about as well is that it's it's a difficult time to try and navigate when to obviously get into markets as well. Um, you know, we've said it many times on the podcast, but trying to time the bottom of the markets is, is hard. Could be down to one headline, could be down to peace talks, could be down to that relief rally, a technical bounce, uh, could be after a weekend close. You know, ultimately, unless we have a crystal ball, we can't predict it accurately. But what I think our listeners will, will definitely like to know is sort of the general outlook from a fundamental perspective, Ben. And, and you know, especially if we take away this geopolitical risk, what does that look like? Yeah, so, you know, the longer this goes on, the more costly it will be. Um to just you know it's a gross generalization right global economic growth will be lower than it was before inflation will be higher um and the closer you are to russia and ukraine the higher that cost will 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 will, will be and, and we've seen this in markets right i mean europe has sort of borne the brunt of the the sort of sell-off here and the further you get away from the crisis the the sort of less the impact um has been but but your question's on the fundamentals and, and i think this is important because you know the sort of news flow and the doom scrolling and and everything else that we've been seeing. I thought I think it sort of takes away um, from that a little bit. So the fundamentals definitely under pressure, but I do think they're very secure. Remember, you know this economic slowdown that we're going to see is starting from a very high level of economic growth. I mean the U.S. grew seven percent last year. Um, you know that's three to four times more than it might have uh, than it than it normally does. Just to put that in perspective, we see very strong earnings growth. Thirty percent in the U.S. last quarter. Sixty-five percent in in, in Europe, uh, and economies are increasingly reopening after Omicron, which everything else being equal um, is, you know, is, is obviously a good thing. Um, and then on the sort of on the market side, you know, stock market valuations are clearly cheaper now. Um, you know, risks such as, you know, the Fed raising interest rates are now, you know, much, much better priced, uh, certainly than they were, you know, four or five months ago. And investor sentiments, which, you know, remember for us is a contrarian indicator, uh, is the most depressed it's been since the 2020 pandemic low, uh, and you can push even further back to the 2008 global financial crisis. Uh, and this is important because if everyone's negative, 
then you know there's an awful lot of potential buyers um if um you know this uncertainty begins to fade a little bit and and markets sort of start to start turning around so that's a long list of things actually that i'm quite positive about now it's all been obscured right now of course by you know this again the doom scrolling and the, and, and, the, and the terrible news flow but um as i always say you make your you make the most money in markets not when things are good but when things become a little bit less bad and i, and I think this is what we're on the cusp of here I think Warren Buffett has a very famous saying, doesn't he? Be, uh, be greedy when others are fearful. Uh, I think that probably <laughs> maybe comes to the head right now. But I think maybe the good point to touch on next then is when we look at those fundamentals um, and investors are looking at markets sort of right now, you know, again, lots of opportunities across the board in, in that respect. But let's say investors are maybe looking to pick up some dis discounts on some particular stocks or themes. Where would you um, be sort of focusing on, and do you think there are any particular markets that investors should be focused on? Yeah, so I think for the risk tolerance, it's really UK, Europe. I mean, that's been the sort of eye of the geopolitical storm so far. Um, that's you know, been the worst performer in, in recent weeks. But uh, as I said, I think the fundamentals are sort of broadly secure. And, and Europe has, you know, a, a number of sort of extra supports that maybe the rest of the world doesn't have, right? I mean, they're increasing government spending here. Um, you know, on defense, on the refugees, you know, most of the rest of the world is sort of cutting government spending. They're going to hold interest rates at zero. Um, you know, the rest of the world is sort of getting ready to raise interest rates. And, and this weaker euro that we've been seeing um, is a big buffer. I mean, it's going to help make European companies and European countries sort of more competitive as they look to sell to um, the, the outside world. And um, plus, you know, valuations in Europe were already cheap even before all this, so, you know, they're even cheaper, you know, right now. So these 30% plus valuation discounts relative, uh, relative to the US. Uh, so that'd be one place I would look. I mean, and then within that, uh, European financials have been particularly hard hit mm. um, with, you know, the market worried about their exposures, their loan exposures to Russia and the impact of these sort of lower government bond yields that we've seen. Uh, so this, you know, lowers what banks can charge on, on, on their loans. Um, and, and obviously, you know, they'll make less money because of that. But, you know, the vast, vast majority of, of banks have no exposure to Russia. I mean, you can count the number of banks on probably, you know, less than two hands that have real exposure to, to Russia, one. And two, all of them are, you know, are well able to deal with this. I mean, you know, the, the, um, the, the silver lining from the global financial crisis was that all these banks have to, you know, are carrying much more capital than they ever were before. Uh, they'd be much more careful about you know, making risky loans, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think you know, this is the story of the next sort of few weeks. These banks are going to come out. They're going to quantify these exposures to Russia. And they're going to probably end up being very manageable and, and a lot less than sort of people are worrying about. Um, and you know, banks are you know, going into this. It was the second cheapest sector in the market. Um, so, again, you know, it's the cheap, like Europe, it's the cheap part of the market, which is just even, even cheaper, uh, potentially. Uh, that's all a bit sort of, um, you know, overdone. Um, I would also just highlight that, you know, you don't need to invest everything today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I definitely think there are opportunities out there, but, you know, every investor is different, risk tolerance is different. And I would just flag that, you know, the more risk averse, I should maybe think about dollar, sort of dollar cost averaging, you know, in to help manage that sort of volatility, um, but to still be in there to capture that market rebound, you know, when it happens. And, and it will happen. It's just a question of when.
Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And on the dollar cost averaging approach, I think for me that suits my sort of personality. But there will be others that will, yeah, favour a different different type of uh, investment uh, strategy. I mean, there will be investors and traders right now that are asking the question, you know, can oil go higher? Can stocks go lower or certain stocks go lower? Can wheat continue to push on or nickel, which, of course, was just incredible in the last sort of few days. Do you think it's a case however, that the boat has been missed for, for some of these moves? Or do we continue to see, you know, higher for longer moves in certain commodities, for example? You know, FOMO is is obviously a reason why some people will struggle when investing. You know, what what, what do you reckon the play is, is, is here for those sort of categories? Yeah, so we're clearly at, you know, absolutely unprecedented levels for, for commodities and therefore, you know, risks, you know, are, are absolutely above average. So let me just sort of put that on the table. Um, you know, it's not a normal market when a commodity like nickel just decides to double uh, in one day, like it did, um, you know, like it did yesterday. Um, but, you know, I do think commodities can go higher in, sh- in the short term, to, to answer your question, right? I mean, the West is continuing to tighten sanctions on Russia. Um, you know, this further supply disruption may well just keep pushing prices higher. Um, and, um, you know, longer term, though, uh, this will also drive prices lower, right? Um, the phrase is that, you know, the solution to high prices is high prices, right? Because how do we all react to this? Um, you know, we're going to fill our cards up less often, we're going to drive less, um, and there's going to be less sort of oil demand. Uh, but that will take, um, you know, that, that, that will take time, right, for us to cut that demand or find substitutes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I would also just highlight that, um, you know, for many commodity producing companies, um, so not the physical, but the companies that produce these commodities, um, even the prices of a month ago, right? Even oil at $80 was a fantastic oil price. Um, so, you know, I would expect lots of volatility, but, um, you know, I think these commodity companies will continue to produce very, very strong cash flows and pay very, very big dividends. And, you know, energy companies, I think, are still the cheapest sector in the market today. Um, and, you know, those cash flows and those dividends are going to be very big, whether it's $80 or whether it's 130 or maybe 150 which we may well see sort of in, 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 in the short term. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know about you, Josh, but I feel a little bit calmer. <laughs> I feel a little bit calmer um, already. I, I know we're, we're one headline away from that not being calm, but uh, it's a good start to my day anyway. Um, I was just having a look at the, the calendar uh, for, for March. So what day is it today? It's Wednesday we're recording this. So tomorrow we've got ECB, we've got the inflation number. Next Wednesday we've got the Fed, Bank of England. And any any surprises there, do you think, Ben? Or, or is it just a case that we take them day by day as they come? Well, I would look at the ECB, uh, right, because the ECB is not going to do anything on the policy side. But I think you're going to hear, hopefully hear two things from them. So I think, one, they're going to sound a bit more dovish. And they're essentially going to say in their own sort of convoluted way that they're not going to raise interest rates anytime soon. So I think that is, you know, again, going back to my sort of buffers for Europe, um, you know, them basically saying they're not going to make a mistake and hike interest rates, even when the economy is sort of slowing here, would be one. And two, I think also they'll sketch out some of the pain, right? What do they think this is all going to mean for growth? What do they think this all means for uh, inflation? And I just think sort of getting that out there uh, and maybe it being not as maybe a, as bad as the market is sort of pricing in right now could also be a little bit um, 
uh, sort of cathartic. So that's a huge one. And then the other one, which we've all sort of stopped talking about, but it is creeping up on us. March 16th is the Fed meeting. Um, And, you know, this was what the market was obsessed about two, three weeks ago. Uh, And we've priced in six rate hikes relative to zero last September. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion that when they finally hike interest rates next week or they get started, markets may just breathe a sigh of relief that finally they're getting on with it and we can, you know, it's one less thing to talk about and and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, let's not forget about that, right? It's easy too when you sort of see the headlines, but, um, you know, that, that's a pretty big deal as well. Yeah. Do you think it will just be by the book, 25 basis points, or do you think we might see something different? <laughs> let's hope we don't get 50. <laughs> and I'm going to retract every word I've just said in the last 20 minutes. Can you imagine? I'll tell you what, traders would love that. If there was a 50 base or a no hike, um, which would go completely off what you said last week, right? But um, yeah, the market reaction would be would be mad, absolutely mad. Well, look, I'm, I feel calm, so I don't even want to think about that right now. But uh, but Josh and, and Ben, it's been, a, been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so yep. much, usual. Thank you. Well, look, guys, you can head over to the Etoro Academy. You've got podcasts, you've got all the podcasts of the year. Last year, you've got the guides, videos, webinars to sign up for. The list is endless. Uh, I hope you'll have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from Etoro. For more information, visit etoro.com. <laughs>